You're listening to episode 47, chapter one of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lamberth. And I'm Josh Havens. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Today, we're talking with Alan Fadling, author of An Unhurried Life. Alan Fadling serves as a frequent speaker and consultant with local churches, national organizations, and leaders internationally. He's also president and founder of Unhurried Living Incorporated in Mission Viejo, California, inspiring people to rest deeper, live fuller, and lead better. He shows leaders how to get perspective so their leadership flows from a full soul and out of healthy rhythms of rest and work. A trained spiritual director, Alan is also the award-winning author of An Unhurried Leader and An Unhurried Life, which was honored with a Christianity Today Award of Merit in Spirituality. You know the feeling. It's that constant day-in, day-out, never-ending sense that the next thing is waiting for you, ready to add one more thing to your list. You know this kind of life can't be what God intended, but you just don't see any way to live life differently. Kids need to be taken places, work needs to be done, groceries need to be bought, and bills need to be paid. And it seems like the faster you move in getting things done, the more things get added to your plate. We've got great news for you. A lifestyle of discipleship doesn't and shouldn't look like this. In fact, as Alan points out in this chapter, one of the most important things we can do as we follow Jesus is to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Alan, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks. It's good to be able to be with you. I should say welcome back to the podcast. So you are our second repeat guest. That's true. I think Jim and I both got a chance to join you when... uh, at least shortly after the uh, What Does Your Soul Love book came out. Yes, yes. And uh, so that was a great conversation. Even then, though, we we knew we needed to have you back on the podcast to talk about uh, a previous book that you had written, The Unhurried Life. And uh, we talked a little bit about in that previous conversation the organization that you guys founded, um, Unhurried Living, that sort of you know was birthed out of this whole thing. Um, but we get to have you back on the podcast to talk about the re-release of your book, uh, an unhurried life, the revised edition, and so, um, so yeah, really excited to talk with you guys or, or talk with you about this book. This has been an incredible book to to read, and I'm still digesting it, and uh, I think I will for a long time. But so let's just start at the traditional. Why did you write this book? This is going to take us back a few years, but um, but but I think it's a good journey that we get to see, like why you wrote it, and then how this has played out in your life uh, e- even today. Sure. Well, um, I think when I tell that story, I tell a little bit of it in the book, but um, often when I'm talking about the book, I'll say that um, there were two main seeds that got planted in me that eventually gave birth to this book. One of them was a fairly well-known comment that Dallas Willard once made to John Orberg about hurry. And the statement was this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And I remember when I first heard that, um, John wrote that in his book, The Life You Always Wanted. Um, But when I heard that, it just struck me as potent spiritual direction for where I found myself at the time. I, um, I, I, I can tend to be a pretty busy person and, uh, 
course, Dallas would have always distinguished between busy and hurried. He'd say busy's your calendar, hurried's your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, so living with that piece of counsel was one of the seeds that planted. The other one was a conversation that Dallas had with a friend of mine. And Dallas said once, if you had only one word to describe Jesus, which word would you choose? And after a bit of conversation and suggestions of what candidate, you know, to consider, Dallas said, well, I've been thinking if I had one word you to use to describe Jesus, I would probably choose relaxed. I remember the first time I heard that, I just, something in me did not set well. I, I just had this vision of Jesus on a lazy boy watching ESPN and, you know, munching on Doritos. I mean, it's like, you know, somehow that just relaxed did not catch me the right way. And so I remember thinking, well, but Dallas is a smart guy. He must know what he's talking about. There must be something to this. And so I, not shortly, not long after that, I took a retreat, three days, went to a monastery. And other than eating and sleeping, the only thing I really did was read the gospels over and over with that idea in my mind. Is Jesus relaxed? And the the secondary question to that was, and is that a good thing? You know, is, is, is this relaxed a good thing? And the, the longer I read and the more I watched, the more I realized that is an absolutely genius way to describe Jesus. And for me, the word relaxed began to translate back into that language of hurry. And so Jesus unhurried. In fact, when I first proposed the book, my proposed title, one of them was an, a Jesus, an unhurried savior. And um, because that was really um, the seed of it, it was realizing Jesus was unhurried enough to have time for the things that mattered. He would often withdraw to lonely places to pray. He, he would stop for the person on the side of the road when his entourage wanted to keep going. He saw temptation coming in the wilderness and said a simple no. He, he wasn't compulsive in, in those ways. And, and maybe the most important, he took an immense amount of his three or so years of ministry to develop a small group of disciples through whom the work would continue. All of those require unhurried time. And Jesus was unhurried enough to devote himself to those things. So that's a little bit of what gave birth to the book. The other thing I'll say is uh, my greatest struggle with hurry tends to be anxiety. Anxiety is the flavor it takes in my own soul. And so often in as I think about my recovery from hurry, it often looks like addressing my own inner anxieties. Yeah, I love the way you talk about that in the book, especially like the opening chapter, right? You, you talk about your recovering addict from speed and, and this idea of hurry. And so I, I like that idea of this is an ongoing process um, for you. And because and it, re- it really struck me is that like, man, all these things that we deal with and we struggle with, you know, whether they're I don't know. Maybe I should ask this if you see your like hurriedness as a sin, but even those things that may not be quote unquote sins, like we, we need to, they're destructive behaviors that we need to see ourselves in maybe ongoing recovery from. And that we're, we're still like, we, we just recognize that our flesh is going to have some sort of bent towards those things that we're going to, uh, to, to struggle with. So I guess I'll, real quick, I didn't intend on asking this, but do you see then living a hurried life as, as sinful or uh, is it just simply a negative uh, behavior? 
That's a fair question. Yeah, I, I think the way I might not use that exact sentence. But what I would say is it tends to be the soil in which sin easily grows. Mm. Um, so, for example, I, I, somewhere in the book, or maybe it was in an unhurried leader, I can't remember. But I came to the realization that all of the fruit of the spirit grow better in an unhurried life. And they tend to struggle in a hurried life. Mm-hmm. Vice versa, the vices tend to flourish in a hurried life where... They don't tend to flourish quite as well in an unhurried life, at least in the way I'm describing that. So um, I do think, for example, the, the language of recovery is really good. I have friends who are self-described recovering alcoholics or drug addicts or workaholics, actually. And they use the present tense to describe that journey. It's not, I used to be. Or boy, I, I remember back in 76, you know, where a couple months I struggled with something. Mm-hmm. But in fact, they recognize that this is a journey they're still on. I have friends who are 30 years sober, and they still describe themselves as recovering. I think there's, there's wisdom in that. Um, I expect to be on a journey of recovery every day of the rest of this human uh, embodied life. I think that's good for me, especially as a pastor, not to pretend that um, I, I've recovered mm-hmm. and then I'm, I'm ready to tell everybody else my five secrets to recovering. Can I yeah. ask you then, what what does a hurried life look like? So in, in my experience, I feel like I go through these phases where I want, I feel like I have to be doing something. Um, whether it's building a shelf out in the garage. I did that at the beginning of this uh, COVID-19 quarantine lockdown stuff. Uh, or, I don't know, doing some housework, something. I feel like I go through these seasons where I have to do something. And it's kind of like what you described, that anxiety is just kind of hanging over me to do, do, do. Is that is that what we mean when we're talking about a hurried life? So I think as I've reflected on it, I, I have said there are two main ways hurry has tended to show up in me like two engines, if you want to use that metaphor. Anxiety is one of them. It has driven me. Uh, the other one that I find I return to a lot that's a source of hurry for me is my craving to be recognized by others. My deep need for people to like me or admire me or think highly of me or speak well of me. It's an engine for hurry. I think, for example, too, you know, Henry Nouwen's triad of how we tend to try to establish our identity. He says the three big ones are, we are what we do, so accomplishment. Uh, We are what we possess, you know, so acquisition. And we are what people say about us, you know, accolades and, and, and people speaking well of us. So, I see all of those as facets of what un, what hurry looks like in a human soul. To say it a different way, you know, um, there's only one great commandment, which is the commandment to love. And what I find is that my hurry has a way of running me past the people I might love, that God might be giving me to love. I've said sometimes when I'm hurried, my life feels like a bunch of things I'm managing instead of people I'm loving. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hurry can look like compulsion. Uh, 
So underneath it is why am I, why do I feel I must quickly do the next thing? Why, why do I feel that way? Uh, is it because I have to prove something about myself? Is it if I rest, I'm nobody? Um, what's, what's underneath the hurry? And that's, that's kind of some of what I, I, I like to talk about when I try to describe the nature of hurry. Yeah, and it helps, it helps paint a, a good picture then of what you mean when you say Jesus was relaxed. Um, he wasn't those things, right? You know, so it, he wasn't, um, but he was purposeful in his mission. And so being, uh, being unhurried doesn't mean you are without a, a purpose that you can still be driven. Um, so I sort of had a little bit of the same reaction, you know, when, when I read that story, right? Jesus is relaxed. Um, is like that, that is definitely an odd term to, to, to throw around. But then it does, it does make sense. Um, when I was younger, I used to be uh, really into martial arts and uh, taekwondo and jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. And so, like, one of the things that they teach you, right, is to not be tense. So, like, because when you're tense, you know, you're, you're all pent up and you can't, like, you feel like you're ready, but you're not, ne- not going to be nearly as fast or as effective. And so what they teach you is to be relaxed, and so you've got to be relaxed and ready. So it's like you can take this posture of then when somebody throws a punch or a kick, you can react to it far faster than if you were really uh, tensed up. And so uh, that, that's kind of the image that I have uh, in my mind is you're talking about Jesus is being relaxed. He's not he doesn't have all of this anxiety sort of pent up, the, you know, that's, that's driving him. He's not looking to define who he is by, you know, the. Uh, you know, the, the accolades, what people are saying about him and uh, what he can do and accomplish. As disciples who want to make following Jesus their lifestyle, we follow Jesus's example of the way he lived his life. And as Alan pointed out, Jesus was relaxed. He was driven to accomplish the purpose for which his father sent him to this earth, of course, but he pursued it in God's own timing. He walked with others and healed them. He served them and washed their feet. He made disciples and invited them to learn from his way of life, all while being relaxed. So I ask you, are you living a hurried life? Hurry doesn't just mean being busy. Our schedules can be full, and yet our souls can remain at peace. But when we begin to feel overwhelmed and anxious in our spirits, Those are signs that we are living a hurried life. So perhaps we may need to cut back on some activities to relieve the pressure. Perhaps we need to evaluate why we are participating in them in the first place. Are you trying to define your identity by what you do? Who would you be if you took a break from those activities that are causing you to hurry? Are you staying late at work each night because you want to impress your boss? Or... Are you volunteering at your church because it'll make you look good to the rest of the congregation? If we don't assess the reasons why we do what we do, even if we don't think we are doing a lot, our hurried pursuit of a false identity and cheap accolades will suffocate our souls. So evaluate your life today and ask yourself, am I living a hurried life? How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. 
but we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Alan's work, check out unhurriedliving.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Alan unpacks how we can make rest a way of life. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.